This week, I had the great joy of speaking with Jeanette Ordell, founder of the Oaken Rope Company, a woman who not only have I admired for so long, but I've known for so long. And you know, when you just never get that chance to properly sit down and have a cup of tea in a proper natter and get to know someone. I wanted to get under the skin of her small business. I wanted to understand where this handcraftedness her love of oak, her love of personalization, her love of rope even, that I know her grandfather inspired. It's a beautiful company. And Jeanette was so open with her feelings and how serendipity is so important in her life. She was also so open about the journey that she has taken to get to where she was today to record this podcast. So many ups, but a lot of lows. As ever, we get to hear the truth behind the story, behind the brand. And I, for one, have been in tears for the last hour. That won't be a shock to you, but I was so moved with Jeanette's understanding of what had to happen in order for her to be at one of the happiest places in her life. Enjoy. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down Where we're going you won't need to bring your frown Hi, I'm Holly Tucker and welcome to my podcast, Conversations of Inspiration. I founded my first business, Not on the High Street, at 28, with a newborn strapped to my chest. Nearly 20 years on, he's all grown up and I'm running my second business, Holly & Co., I've learned so much about taking risks, running a business and some extraordinary life lessons along the way. And I know others have too. Yet despite the wealth of experience we have between us, lessons like this are often left unheard and it can feel like we're travelling our paths alone. So I've reached out to founders and those who simply inspire me to share their hard-earned wisdom with you. My hope is that collectively, these remarkable realisations will help you on your own journey. I like to think of it as inspiration for life. If you enjoyed this episode, might I ask you to share it with a friend and to like, subscribe and review it so that together we can ignite people's passion across the UK. Now, let's begin this week's Conversation of Inspiration. Hi, Jeanette. Thank you so much for coming on to Conversations of Inspiration. You've had a bit of a whirlwind, haven't you, to actually get here recording with me today. It was a beautiful plan. And then the trains were a little bit late. Yeah. You're the founder of Oak and Rope Company. And we've known each other for many, many years. We worked together many years ago on Not on the High Street. And now we are partnering up again on Holly & Co. Um, but this was a long planned. Your face has been cut out on my podcast wall for a very long time because I've always highly admired how you are building your company. And I think our listeners are going to get so much from your story. You've managed to sit down you've got a coke in hand you're in Amsterdam you you have a tradition tell us about this tradition that's slightly um well meant but is it, it's enough to kill you off at this time of year exactly and um, it's quite difficult not living near to family um and we try to have this tradition that we my sister and my mother and I take time to meet up somewhere and do a pre-Christmas thing. Uh, last year it was Copenhagen and this year it's Amsterdam and next year it's London and it's a 
um, tradition that cannot be broken. But every time I leave the workshop this time of year, it feels a bit wrong. It feels a bit wrong and maybe a bit more stressful to have a podcast record the second you arrive in Amsterdam. So I'm so grateful. Thank you for giving us this moment. Um, first of all, actually, you spoke about Christmas and that hustle. I imagine you're knee deep in orders at the moment and the team are crazily working to the deadlines, um, delivering the Christmas scene. How is it at the moment and how's 2023 been? It's been a really strange year and we've really just stopped trying to second guess what's going to happen. So it means that even though we're getting more experienced, I feel we're just making it up as we go along every year. And I have the most amazing team that um, have been, most of them have been with me for a long time. And uh, we're all on the same page and everybody's working really hard this time of year. And so far, so good. I think People want thoughtful and meaningful and we just seem to, um, to to be in the right place for that at the moment. I, I love what you just said there. Even though you're 13, 14 years into this, or 15 years, is it? 15 years into yes, it. Yes, 15 in May. Because of everything that changes and, and because we've had so much change, we all desperately try and hold on to the information we have Yet how can it change each year? It's, it's, it's quite um, ludicrous, actually. Do you think bigger businesses have as much change as our smaller businesses? I don't know. I think we have um, benefits, advantages as smaller businesses because we can change mm. quickly. And I feel that that's always been one of my superpowers, the sort of the winging it. And over the years, people have talked to me about oh, what's your business plan looking like and what's your forecast for next season and when is your product launch? And we just, we just it sounds unprofessional, but it really isn't. We do make it up as we go along because we launch a product when the inspiration comes to us. We're lucky enough to make things out of oak, which we can work with. Um, so we don't have to decide in... January what we're making in December as long as we have enough um, wooden planks in the workshop. What about the fact that the Christmas season comes later and later and we're working together on Holly and Co but just generally we've known this haven't we since we started working together you know Christmas was starting in October when we launched Not in the High Street back in 2006 you know, the first week in October was when we started to talk about it. And now we're talking about the last week in November. So it's two months difference. What do you think about that? And, you know, the, the you know, people wanting to vote with their money, but somehow we as a society have got it into our minds. It can be later. I would say this year, I feel the trend is slightly bucking backwards. I've had more people planning earlier this year, maybe because we've learned that things are unpredictable. We also have a group of customers that shop early. I don't really relate to them at all. And honestly, I don't think I've bought one single Christmas present yet myself. So I really identify with the last minute people. You need to get into the spirit of the season and then you need a little bit of urgency to to focus the mind so we do try and prepare everything so we can still have a delivery time of two weeks um, 
just so that those brilliant last minute ideas can be helped as well. Yeah. Because sometimes they are really the best ones. Yeah, I I, I agree. You've got the planners, haven't you? The planners mm. and the panic purchases and then everyone in between. And the idea is that you can cater for both of those. But I think also COVID and the fact that we did have to plan or we had more time and maybe the unpredictability is allowing people to sort of think before they purchase. And I love the fact that you're you're seeing that trend. Long may it continue. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, it's usually around this time of year that what I call overwhelm week kicks in. Suddenly, the Christmas ads are everywhere. My to-do list seems to have quadrupled and I get that absolute fear about getting everything done in time without completely losing it. Sound familiar? Well, this year is different because I'm here to help and at the same time, bring the joy back to Christmas. I have launched my small business marketplace and have scoured the UK to bring the most unique, thoughtful gifts and beautifully made decorations all together in one place. It means we can do all the parts of Christmas we enjoy, like making sure our loved ones know just how much they mean to us and doing all the fun and creative bits, but without the giant headache. And the best part? Everything on our site is handmade by an independent small business. So as well as shopping joyfully again, you'll be bringing happiness to lots of hardworking founders, 90% of whom are female, by the way, and giving them a Merry Christmas too. Visit holly.co for many ideas this Christmas. Now, back to our conversation of inspiration. Growing up in Norway, tell me about that time in your life, because I feel as though your Scandinavian roots, it really shine through in everything that you do. It really does. When I started this 15 years ago, I thought it was something absolutely unique that I had sort of thought up and and it came from um, where I was at that time. But over the years, I've worked out that it all comes from my childhood and my um, growing up in Norway. And, you know, the whole Scandinavian red thread, the um, everything has to have a function. You don't just have pretty things. Yet, I um, I grew up in a very stylish home. My mother has impeccable taste, and uh, it just I know it wasn't a, a big house, but it was absolutely beautiful. And you just where does that come from? I'm not sure actually. Where she she just has an eye, and she could. And it's 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 amazing to um, to see. And she'll she'll walk into my space, and she'll just sort of pick out that one thing that changes everything she she just yeah it's it's a sort of gift yeah it's it's something that's quite unique for her I think but I had a very idyllic childhood Uh, so my parents built their own house on my grandparents farm so when I was six years old I watched my parents and their extended family all work together on building this house and I decided I wanted to be a carpenter and my best friend lived right next door, and I mean 20 metres away from um, from my house. We walked to school every day together, 
Uh, and we built tree houses. We sort of stole pallets and nails and tools and things. And and we were just literally running around in the woods, like those, uh, like you see in the movies, basically. Um, and um, there were funny stories when, for instance, if we went somewhere where we weren't allowed, we weren't allowed to go close to the river. And if we walked too close to the river, we would be told off when we got home, not because. Um, our parents had seen us, but somebody's grandmother had seen us and then they would sort of, the jungle telegraph would go and they would be told <laughs> off that for, for something. So there was sort of Facebook before um, Facebook was a thing. But it, it was, was like a, real a village. Community. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, village was bringing up the, the children. And I, I also read that your grandfather taught you how to splice rope. And, you know, that this really was something that you were being... Were you being taught skills, actual proper skills? Well, it was it was a bit random, really. But he was um, he worked in a factory that mended fishing nets, so this was second nature to him. And I was just curious, and he was literally just sitting there splicing some rope, and I watched him do it. It wasn't that complicated, so I I got it into my fingers, and you you can't really learn something like that so I would just splice rope if I was bored if I was just sat somewhere I was a, I was a really good scout as well you know so I had those those skills but it's it, it didn't feel like a big moment we were just sitting there chatting in the garden and that's one of the things that I reflect a lot on how so many of those small moments have such a butterfly effect later on yeah Absolutely. Those are the moments that we remember. Did you enjoy school when you walked to school with your best friend? Were you a bright pupil, academic or creative? What was your, what were you known as? I was quite um, sort of nerd, really. <laughs> I was quite clever. And um, the thing is that when you're good at school, that's the route that you are sort of taken pushed really, in pushed yes. into so no I, I went uh, to university and I, I had a career um, following that rather than what I decided when I was six that I wanted to be a carpenter yeah and that's that is something we talk a lot about this on the podcast as you know you know that we're society you know we don't play well you were good at school you were academic you were clever um so that was how you were going to go and that's actually we'll get onto that but that's exactly what you didn't did end up doing I remember speaking to Kate Robinson daughter of the late great Ken Robinson and we spoke about how mass education system is really not at all tailored to meeting the needs of you know individuals there you are wanting to be a carpenter but because you were good at math or whatever you know mm. oh, you were yeah you were you were <laughs> well done you um yeah, it's good to have a woman say I was good at math yep. you know the amount of times that we say we're not good at anything it's fantastic tell me where did you end up then so you went to university um where you studied politics economics and philosophy and then you went into the city mm. I, I I didn't know this about you by the way you did. There you were. Yeah. I no, I did you I didn't. didn't know that No, I didn't know. I didn't know that my carpenter friend is is it was in the city. Tell me about that time in your life. Well, it was um it was again a, a wonderful adventure really. I 
Um, so I always wanted to leave home when I was in Norway. So I wanted to study abroad. So I went to university in Oslo, first of all, to study politics and economics. And then um, I managed to get onto an Erasmus program where I could study philosophy in London. So I, I did that for a year. And then I was going to study international relations as a master after that. But during that summer, I ended up getting a summer job for a company called UBS. And I didn't really know what, I know how difficult it would be to get a job in the city. But I ended up literally helping move the filing cabinets. And then by the end of, the, of that summer, I was offered a full-time job on their graduate scheme. So, and then I ended up doing a very grown-up job, almost like internal management consultant, implementing various IT projects and things. And I was traveling all over the world for about seven years, teaching people how to use these systems and gathering requirements, all of which are really useful in my life today as well. But I, I didn't ever plan to do that. Did you put the carpenter aside in you? Completely. Did you, did, completely. completely. So you were in the city, seven, eight years in the city. That was who you were. That was like your identity, your world that you surrounded yourself in. And and that little that little flame was put out for a while. Oh, yes, almost completely. I was so concerned about fitting in to where I was, um, I found myself. You know, I I really worked very hard on trying to not sound Norwegian. Um, now I don't really care. Uh, so, um, and really, really fitting in. And I didn't really think about anything creative. I was doing a lot of spreadsheet work. And, and I don't, today, I don't know how I actually got through that because... Now, if I had to sit in front of a computer for um, five days a week, it would really affect me quite badly. But I actually loved it. And it was mm. it was brilliant because I worked with fantastic people. It was a very project-based um, sort of high-energy environment and just lots of clever people around that you can bounce ideas off. So mm. in a way, it's a completely different world. In another way, it's not so dissimilar to what I do today. Do you think that we have just chapters in our life that we can't, when you look back now, you can't believe it? You know, I have similar. It's almost like a whole life within a life that you've had. And and you look back and you say, for real, was that me? I mean, just, you know, you've spoken lately about your mental health and, you know, what how you use your job today. As you said, you, I wouldn't think that that was going to be you when you were younger. Intense Excel spreadsheet world. <laughs> but, it, but it was actually, it was a part of me when I started studying, I wanted to become a businesswoman. And then ending up in the city was like, the ultimate businesswoman and traveling business class all the way around the world, I, I felt I'd arrived and I, I, I loved it. So I find those experiences from those days really useful when I speak to, to clients or when I come up with, with quotes for bespoke jobs and things like that. And you just have an understanding of our clients that are different to maybe people who have 
gone the more traditional routes to ending up in a workshop where they won't have been exposed to those people that buy your product. But I can see the world from their point of view as well. And it just means that it's much easier for me to to deal with people. If anybody has has an issue, I can sort of speak their language rather than... So I feel that I get... get a lot of respect from the people I meet because they feel that I can speak a different language as well. Yeah. So every yeah, every chapter has a purpose. Yeah, that is so interesting. Am I right in saying that then your daughter was born and you moved to a farmhouse in Kent with your husband and you threw yourself into raising your children, renovating a house, and you had, this is your opportunity to get back to that passion of creating and um, making. Um, And that this was your, where you maybe set up, I think it's, am I right in saying a workshop and it was like scratching the itch of this what was at that time maybe a hobby? Yes, so there were a couple of things happening. One was, of course, that being with my little beautiful baby, you kind of see the world completely differently again and you maybe become a bit more true to yourself and where you come from because your own childhood becomes so important. So you remember a lot of things about that. About that. And I had more time so I could be more creative. And then we were building um, a house. So we had carpenters there. And I was reminded of those clever people who build houses. I started sort of interfering and saying, oh, I wonder if that would look... And and sort of that sort of sparked that again. But there was another little kind of chance conversation that was fundamental in this. So my mother-in-law at the time, uh, her husband had just died. And he was a... um, hobby furniture maker but he also collected a lot of beautiful tools and she's American and they travel to America a lot and and he had this amazing tool collection and when he died um, somebody came from the next village and said oh I can clear out his workshop and take all the tools off your hands um, and here's 500 pounds. I said that doesn't sound right to me you know, Mike used those tools with his hands for hours and hours, and then they're just going to go to some random person who has no connection with those tools. And that was the end of the conversation. And then a couple of days later, I got a letter from her saying, I really thought about what you said, and the, one of the most precious things I own is a rolling pin from my grandmother. And it made me think about those tools, and I just can't let them go to somebody not connected um, with Mike. Will you have them, please? So I was then gifted all of these amazing tools, which I then, it took me a long time to have, uh, to to be able to unpack them and start learning to use them properly. But it was that little conversation again, which just opened up, you know, those, and we talk about it today, about um, how his legacy, he was making beautiful things in his workshop, but his legacy is now reaching quite far because of those mm. tools are being, some of those tools are still being used today. I love that. I love mm. that feeling that you must have when holding a tool mm. and that you are, you're connected to him. That's mm. that's his hand. Mm. You, you, those tools, though, also then feed into the next part of your story which was making your first piece and I I would you would you t- do me the honor of telling me that part of the the jigsaw puzzle yeah sure so obviously in mrs lastminute.com 
um, <laughs> needed a present <laughs> urgently. I think many of the coasts might have started like that. I don't know. <laughs> um, but um, I had a plank in the workshop um, or in the shed, I should call it then, and um, some some rope. That's exactly the rope we use today. The plank wasn't oak, actually. And I just made this swing for a friend's birthday. And I didn't really have enough time to cut it down to a better size either. So it's this oversized swing, all kind of made quite quickly. And 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 then I, I had this carving tool that I was experimenting with. So I just kind of chiseled out the house name and his birthday on the on the other side of the swing. And then arrived at this party with the um, a present, it was too big. I didn't have wrapping paper to, to to wrap it all. So I just walked in there and it was a big party and a big to-do. And people were just going, oh my God, that's amazing. And there is something, if you ask about the name of our company, it's, it's oak and rope. That's what it is. That's that swing, mm. you know. Mm. And it's such a wonderful combination. It just, and I, I never, well, 15 years in, I'm not tired of it. It just looks so beautiful, and and that was the the the, the sort of the, yeah, the thing that that started. Um, well, I don't know if you can say it started it because there has been so many starts to it in a way. Every week, I hand this part of the podcast over to our brilliant partners at Dell Technologies. We've covered a huge range of topics through our business pharmacies. And how do I scale my business is one of the most requested topics. But there's no one-size-fits-all answer, is there? As it's so personal to each founder. Dell really understands this, and that's why they've launched Dell for Startups, a free service that provides startup expertise from dedicated technology advisors and scalable solutions to ensure your business is ready to grow. So whether you need a personal tech expert, server solutions or financing options to scale your hardware, head to dell.com forward slash UK startups. Now, back to our conversation of inspiration. Do you think that there is such a power? Because I listen to that story and I think about everybody marvelling at what you're carrying in with your posh frock and then you've mm. got this big lump of wood in your <laughs> in your arms. Um, not a dainty handbag, just a big piece of wood there. Um, that, that reaction from everybody was just instant. Mm. And I think mm. that sometimes when you... I think that's a really great gauge. If you've got an idea for a business or you, you're you creating things and you do have that... People start reacting to it. And it's not that they pause, then they react because they want to make you happy. They no. just genuinely... It just flows out of them. I think that is that magic that you can't ignore. But also that feeling that I got when I carried this present in mm. that I remember that every single day because you know sometimes when people might order again last minute presents it's so important for us to be sure that the present arrives in time so our customers can walk in and get that feeling obviously yes. hopefully they might have wrapped it but you know that kind of thing of having the present for the occasion and 
so often feeling so proud it's it, it's so oh it, it's almost like i say we don't make things in wood we make people look good you know we make people um <laughs> look clever feel good at, yeah exactly yes. i feel good but it's that sort of thing about being proud of giving the gift mm. and parties are often a, that occasion it's not it's not in a materialistic way it's more in that sort of the mm. joy of sharing with people you know and the joy of knowing yeah. someone truly very very well mm. that you can put something in some you know well it's it we, you and I have spent many hour talking about that you know it's what you do so so well that intuition about someone or that little insight or the whatever that is that you can capture that and then put it into something that's forever lasting it's yeah. an heirloom and I just think that that's amazing what happened after that so you came away from this party you're like hang on a second <laughs> this is this is oh, oh this, my gosh I was meant to do this all along I what know. was the process like what was you know that you, you got a swing but you know we know it's not easy nor neat starting a company what were those early days like? Well, I was also lucky that um, at the time I had just met um, a wonderful um, lady called Caroline who had talked to me about, she just said, oh, I, I just I, I just wish, um, I know, I, I'd like to start a company. And I sort of looked at her and said, well, why do you want to do that? But she was she was quite experienced in selling things. And she basically, we, we joined up. And she gave me the confidence that these things could be sold, um, whereas I knew I could make it, but I didn't really, um, I'm not a salesperson as such. I think I could only sell oak and rope. I can only sell things mm. that I've made, you know. And, yes. But, and I didn't, I didn't know um, how to go about it. So we sort of held hands a bit through the early years of that and, and, I did the making and the building up of the team and the tools and all of that. And she did a lot of the selling in the early days until the lines got a little bit blurred and we, we sort of joined and and found joined confidence, I suppose, in, in doing it together. Because it is hard to um to just start and believe and have to be your own cheerleader as well. I think that's what you do so well. It's like everybody needs a cheerleader. And if you look at like the great, the people who, without further comparisons, but you know, like people who we remember through history, they've had to have somebody telling their story. And it's really mm. hard to do that yourself. Um, mm. So we all need somebody by our side at those critical moments um, mm. to give us wings. Yeah, I think I, I think a lot of people who might be listening you know, it's it's an, a magical thing if you can actually find someone to do it with the, that power of a joined force, mm. knowing the bad times, knowing the good times. Maybe not telling anyone else, mm. but at least you you can share that. And and tell me, where did the inspiration come from during? You know, I love how you're saying. I was thinking about Holly and Co. and Not in the High Street, and almost. Because we were the customer, we understood what we were looking to buy. Mm. And then we would help with the small businesses make it. And then then Bob's your uncle, you know, the, the, the things sold. So I really understand what you're talking about. But where did you get the inspiration for the ranges? Did you did you sort of look at the market? Because you do anything from well, you do you do we everything, have, don't we you? We have two hundred, um, more than two hundred different designs. And um, it just, 
I mean, the, 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 there were some obvious ones in the beginning, you know, like chopping boards and cheese boards and benches and, mm-hmm. and those sort of things. And we didn't really look at anything else. Um, but, you know, when you're working with the material, there are some constraints, you know, like there, there mm-hmm. is a certain style. The words and the writing was always really important to me. So it always had to be a thick edge where you can put the writing because... I don't like the writing on top of things because then it interferes mm-hmm. with the the chopping or the, the, the whatever. So so that drives the look of everything. And then really also I do like adding a bit of rope everywhere. So you have rope handles on benches and even on the cheese boards. Um, and then the, the second product was in fact the doorstop, which honestly was probably just because I had a lump of wood in the shed that was about <laughs> that size, you know. <laughs> And that's and that's the brilliance of you just sharing that. Mm. Exactly. I had oh. a lump of wood and now it's a great seller for me. But that's that's I know, where I'm just that making came. 300 of them at the moment. So, you know, like <laughs> that's brilliant. And what's the size? <laughs> you said you also I love that you've got some um the inspiration and I think you know, you start your business, don't you? Because you've seen a gap in the market or you instinctively know that something is required and then Mm. you get going with it. And then almost in a way you can start filling in some of the gaps Mm. and then potentially your sort of motto or a philosophy of how you're going to look at your business forms. Very difficult to get that right from the start because you're not doing it. You say that you make things, we make things we wish existed. Yes, and I love that because then look at that, look at that opportunity, look at the permission that you've granted yourself. And again, no one has to give you that. You're the founder. You can make it up. Um, and it gives you that. But yeah, as I said, the magical source of being surprising and delighting. Mm. I mean, I, I'm often asked, what's the weirdest thing you've made? And I think it has to be a traveling tiara box. Um if you need one, wow, you know where to come. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> top of my Christmas yeah, list. Exactly. You didn't know that about me, <laughs> no. but yes, that is yeah. just what I'm missing. Um, but but there there really is no end. But very often for me, a new product comes from um, when it's Christmas or a birthday, and I need to have a present for somebody in my life. And then, if I've gifted them other things before. Um, for instance, I rarely remember what I've gifted them. So therefore, I have to come up with something new so I can be 100% sure that they haven't had that before. Because you've got someone in your life with 10 doorstops, have you? And they just are yeah. too polite to say, yeah, exactly. tell you, I just don't have enough doors now. But actually, you can't have enough doorstops and you can't have enough chopping boards. Uh, and unless you have more than six swings, you probably can't have enough of those either. So, but but it's, it's very often the, the kind of the, the starting point for me um, is that uh, I want to have a present that it's also a bit when I'm gifting something, it's like, oh, did you just grab a G&T board from the shelf and mm. wrapped it and walked out the door? Uh, for me, it has to look a little bit more thoughtful than that. So then coming up with a new design ticks that box. Uh, but it's really strange. From now on, probably after this weekend, I go into uber creative mode because I need to get my own Christmas presents sorted. <laughs> so yes. there might be some new ideas which I won't share until the new year because my team would absolutely finish me off if I threw some new designs into the mix at this point. Although I did make one 
two weeks ago. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but but it's it's just it's it's an ongoing thing. So when people start talking about oh, what's your spring collection looking like? It's like mm, we don't do things like that. It, the inspiration comes mm. from um, from other places. Because I suppose we all think your spring, your summer, your winter, where you're not, you know, you're not fashion and they're everlasting. And quite yeah. frankly, the gravy boat now could be fantastic Sunday lunch gravy boat as much as it's a turkey, uh, turkey lunch sort or, of positioning. Or dressing for your salad. I mean, you know. Yeah, or dressing uh, yeah. for your salad. Yeah. yeah, it's it's quite interesting because actually, if I think about um, how we've, looked at products over not in the high street and now holly and co it really does come from myself carrie and gabby thinking about what we are wanting to gift mm. knowing what we've given before knowing what the what would feel very um touching to a recipient mm. and then actually understanding oh we don't have that mm. or we could do more of this or we've seen this and so i think that the founder's Again, that that gut feel um, on what is new is what I would say other age, uh, other companies are spending thousands of pounds on trend forecasts and, you know, what's the latest thing. Whereas actually this is coming from knowing your customer, understanding the world that they're in. Um, tell me, you actually had a moment, you, you've spoken about the tiara in a box, but there is another important person, isn't there? Um, you, your most famous, I would say, order of <laughs> a swing, uh, commissioned as a royal wedding present, etched with the names William and Catherine. Is that right? That is right, yes. And it was photographed with very little Prince George standing on the swing. Um, and turning it into possibly the world's most famous swing maker, which you probably didn't know you would get the title of. But it took you by surprise. It did. So uh, we we got the order for the swing and there is a bit of misinformation out there. It was an, an old oak and rope customer that actually bought that as a private um, present for William yep. and Catherine for their wedding. And I don't know if you remember, but you probably do, do. At the time, every company was shouting, oh, look, we're making this for them. We're look, making that. Yes. And I just felt it was so tacky. And it was like, oh, no, who cares? You know, like mm. I really, mm. it's not going to affect what I buy. And I just thought that, and there was so much noise about it. So I said to my team, we don't tell anybody about this. Um, I took a few pictures when we made it because I sort of thought that this would be nice to look at when I end up in the old people's home, um, you know. <laughs> and and I, we just you could bore people senseless with it, couldn't you? Yeah. And um, uh, so 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 this passed, and then uh, when um, Prince George was three for his third birthday, um, the swing was in the um, official birthday photograph um, that was released um, of him. And I think it's the only time when one of those official photographs have contained a product that isn't a, a piece of clothing. Obviously, they have to wear clothes. So, um, mm -hmm. but they always sell out of those. And the swing was there. And I remember I was on my way, to, I was packing to go on holiday with my parents and my children. And they 
um, there was a phone call that I sort of debated whether or not I was going to answer. And I picked up and it was a journalist saying, is that your swing that George is standing on? And I just went, um, <laughs> could be. <laughs> um, and what do you say in these situations? Exactly. We're not prepared. <laughs> and, but, but I actually came up with a really um, very professional quote. I said something along the lines of we, we never disclose who our customers are. Um, but I hope that um, Prince George and his family have many happy moments on this swing. Something Nicely really, handled. I thought it was. I didn't have... As you were trying to shove the clothes in yeah. the case and squeeze the zip around the packing case. I love it. But it was, it was mad. And, and there was then, um, um, my children and I were going through airports and there was there was like Hello magazines with that picture on the front. And it was, it was my swing. And then um, there were um, radio channels in Norway ringing. So is that, I know. And it was just, it was just a little bit of a weird moment for me. Um, How brilliant but, is that? Yeah. And and you must have, your parents must have been very proud. Yes, I think so. <laughs> Tell me, this sort of period of your life, we're going to talk now about sort of the slow craft that you're in. And, you know, you have a phenomenal workshop today. But I know that you, sadly, very a few years back, your old workshop had this terrible fire and you had to move premises. And I remember this period of time and you, you refused to move to an industrial unit, feeling that it just it wasn't conducive of creating your amazing products. And it didn't represent you and you obviously couldn't probably be as creative. It was a bit of a moment, though, as well in your life, almost like that fire slightly representing what else was going on in your world. I know that you've gone through some breakups as well. I mm. mean, talk about a bad period of of, of time. <laughs> Would you do you mind me asking you about this section of your life? No, not as well. I say not at all. Um, that's very British. There, there was a long time when I didn't talk about it at all because it was it was horrible and very wholesome at the same time. So we had a fire. It was the Friday before Father's Day of that year. And um, luckily, we had shipped out everything that we had orders just in case there were Father's Day presents. So we just made sure we sent out everything from the workshop. And then on the Saturday morning at five o'clock in the morning, the, the landlady of, of um, our barn that we were renting rang me up and said, you've got to come, your workshop's on fire. And I didn't believe it. And I just remember driving in there and just seeing the, mm. the ashes. And I, I screamed out, this scream that I could just feel. It was, it was mm. just, just awful. And um, at the same time, my husband then was not very well. My business partner, Caroline, had other issues that she was dealing with. And this was just another thing that piled on top of it. All of those layers made it very hard to process because there were a lot of things going on in the background. But then at the same time, somebody asked us, the insurance company asked us, so are you going to continue? Are you going to stop the mm -hmm. business? And I just looked at him and says, that, of course, we're going to continue. It, it never crossed my mind that we weren't mm. going to build it up again. But we didn't tell any of our customers that we'd burnt down. 
And I'm not entirely sure how we've managed to, there were obviously a few a few delays, but we managed to scramble together a, a workshop again. And, and we had local people being very supportive of us at the time as well. And within a few weeks, and certainly by the end of that summer, we, we were back up and ready for um, Christmas um, season. But obviously, wow, yeah, it was it was stressful, and different people have different ways of dealing with those type of pressures, and uh, yeah, and that adds, and and it just means that that was also another big turning point of, of, of very much a, a new chapter in my life as well. And did that result in you going alone with Oak and Rope in your business? Yes, it did. So. One of the good things that happen when you literally burn to the ground is that you start with a clean slate. And um, and there are so many things that we've actually, with the benefit of hindsight, have benefited from. Um, so, you know, when I then had to buy new tools, I knew exactly what tools I needed to look for. There were no compromises, so we could be more efficient and um, and do everything better. Um, the big thing was to recreate all of our jigs that we, we make things with. Um, but it was all in, in our heads and, and we all pulled together in a really lovely way in the workshop. And we, we've made some really um, important bonds in, in that uh, the, the core team that have been with me um, since then. But then, sadly, you know, as I said, people do react differently to those um, stress points. And um, my business partner and I sadly couldn't work those out at the time. Uh, so I then ended up um, uh, running the business on my own going forward. But then another stress point, if you like, which probably I, I sort of hobbled along a bit longer, but I also... Um, ended up, um, well, it, it, it resulted in my divorce. And do you think that, that that did come from the fire? Do you think obviously things potentially were all bubbling underneath, of course, but I do believe that there are moments in our life that sort of break, you know, break, I don't know, the course of the journey that we're on. And the, 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 it, There it, were it, so it, many it, signs and obviously, um, I know, I think... Um, it's probably not very inspirational to hear about the <laughs> uh, some of those those stories. It, there, there were a lot of issues, but the thing is, when you have an additional stress like that, you can't mm -hmm. keep putting sticky plasters over it. You know, it it, it no. just cracks. The cracks become too big, and you can't deal with it. And it's so helpful when you go through a stressful period. You have to be with people who see the world the same way as you, and you know my. My ex-husband thought that this was my glorified hobby that suddenly just, um, you know, it, it, it was my life. You know, like I, I absolutely, mm -hmm. I had to rebuild this. I had um, a team of eight people and it was like 10 people's livelihood. So, you know, like you, mm. it didn't, I had huge responsibilities that I just wanted to build. So I probably became very driven, um, like even more driven than, than before, but you know, that it just meant that all the other issues just could not be ignored. If you run a small business, the Christmas season is well and truly upon you. 
And I know for so many of you listening right now, you'll be making, creating and packing up your items to send to their new homes as I speak. Royal Mail will be doing all they can to ensure that across the UK and internationally, your items arrive safely with their recipients through their network of brilliant posties nationwide. Over the Christmas season, Royal Mail will process twice as many parcels and letters than usual. So their advice is to post early and to continue to communicate with your customers. There are lots of options for postage and recommended latest posting dates. To find out more, head to royalmail.com. And if you're looking for interesting articles and insights, why not visit Royal Mail's small business hub? Now, back to our conversation of inspiration. When I speak to this community, especially as women, potentially our jobs and our careers, or the, and certainly when we Certainly, and of course, I, I mean it for anyone else as well. But here we're talking about those who are creating their own companies. It runs deep. It is in your veins, your blood. It's it is to you know the two shadow sides. It's your identity. It can hurt relationships in a in a way because actually it's a big priority, and actually everyone needs to sort of fall in line with that. But on the other side of that, it can be your life raft to get through the difficult times because that is yours. It's it's living and breathing through your energy. And when I say people need to fit in with it, I didn't mean it like that. I meant that it is as important, let's say, as being married or having children. And, and potentially as women, we don't feel comfortable saying that because only a week ago, someone mentioned we're meant to just only want to be mothers, you know, and or, or that's the top of the pyramid. Um, and so I, 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 I wonder if that was the same for you, that it became something that was a plus and a minus at that point in time. Absolutely. Um, you're, you're summarizing that in a really good way because as the company started, my identity was growing with it and it was, I, I just feel I would have just been a shadow of a person if I never started the Oak and Rope Company. I mean, how would I express myself? How would I actually, you know, I, I can't see the world without having this way of expressing myself. And uh, but but then the conflict, uh, probably against the the person my ex husband married, who wanted to fit in, wanted to be the housewife, um, it just wasn't. It, it just didn't inspire me, uh, you know. And and the thing is that what I love about um, how my identity and my personality has has gone back to where it was. You know, they're six year old. I, I mean, there, there's that poem, isn't there, about um, uh, now I'm six. I'm as clever as clever. I think I'll stay six forever and ever. Well, I had it worked out at six. And the thing is that how I am now is the mother I want to be. And both my children and my bonus children, they can see that. And the thing is that they're all in a way affected by, I feel, I feel I have an impact um, now in what they do, how they think about things. Not because they're all going to end up, I don't know, working for the Oaken Rope Company, which I don't think they will. <laughs> but but it's just that they have seen that you need to be true to what you're, you believe in and what you want to do. And they have that confidence, despite being through the narrow school channels, 
that you can be a bit non-A4, you know, and that's allowed and you can you can make a life for yourself doing that. And the thing is, I just now think, what is so scary to think if I hadn't gone through that journey myself, who would I be to them? Yes. It just, it would be so boring. Oh my goodness. You have just literally, I'm all shivers with what you've just said. But the thing because is, I, I'm, yeah, so, so many people feel bad about, about not, um, you know, not doing all the cake sales for the school and being there. But the thing is that I feel that my, this is my gauge of success. It's like, are my, par- are my parents proud of me and are my children not embarrassed by me? And, you know, I feel that I'm not that embarrassing. Uh, probably I'm now, but um, but you know, <laughs> but but that's just that's all I care about, really. And I was just going to say that you're, you know, you, let's just take a moment with what you've shared because I think a lot of people will be resonating with this, but also maybe questioning if that's not maybe how they're feeling. It feels pretty good what you're saying because. I reflect as well. I am the most me I could ever be. And my companies have made, have given me the opportunity to find exactly who I am. I couldn't see the world without seeing it through small business products. I mean, that's a a niche and you can't see the world without engraved wood, right? So we've got our (laughs) niches, right? But the thing is, that is it. And I have grown confidence over the last 20 years thanks to that. That then has a knock-on effect, like you said earlier, the butterfly effect. Each thing has just built up. And that is maybe what what it's all about, you know, doing what you love, loving what you do because you become you. Taking that one step further. But the thing is that I don't think small companies can become big companies. Do you see what I mean? We're completely different because, you know, like it's, we are expressing ourselves and we're finding ourselves in the process of what we are creating. But I can't ever see there being a switch. And at dinner parties in the early years, people would always ask me, so when are you going to sell the Oak and Rope Company? And I'm just like, well, it's not for sale. Well, for no price at all. And I said, no, I don't think so. Because I don't even think that I'm, I'm not big headed by saying that I don't think anybody else could run the Oak and Rope Company. I just don't think it will be the same if it wasn't me because it is a part of me. And therefore, you can't translate that into selling it to somebody else or it is me. Or it being run. Yeah. You know, the yeah. founder, we talk about this on this podcast, the founder's battery, the DNA, the hairs on its head that you know. And I think I agree with you in terms of getting big. But then there's big and big, isn't there? You know, do I believe that a small business can scale as long as that founder is there and as long as the team is happy and you can grow and grow and grow. But if you're then trying to take the ethos of the small business and then, for instance, blow it up, you know, um, that is where the issues can rise. So I think that there is the idea of scale and how big is scale for you? I don't know. But that idea of fitting a round peg in a square hole where where you're talking about mass scale, Mm. I, I, I completely agree with you. But that's not to say that it couldn't be changed, because as we know from life, you know, there has many chapters and that there can be a new chapter and, and it could be completely different. It just wouldn't be comparable. 
if it wasn't mm. that. Does yes. that make sense? It's a yeah, small, absolutely. Yeah. When you look back at all of that that you've been through, we talk about our children at university and and you know the stage that we're at and we met many years ago over a decade ago give me an update on your life how are you feeling about life today oh it's so lovely <laughs> it's it's exciting and so i went through this really traumatic um change which was that of a divorce which um has left a lot of scars but then Two years ago now, I married my new husband and he is just absolutely amazing. Uh, but it's made me feel how it is to have a home team as well. I've always been really lucky with the home, the team I have in the workshop, but to actually have somebody who completely understands like this time of year, this is this he knows what I need to do. Um, even just after a few years, he figured that out. He's quite clever. Uh, and, uh, and, and the fact that I have somebody that's so supportive, even of my little jolly away now, you know, like he, he also feels that that's what I need as well. And that makes all the difference um, to, and that just brings me so much joy in what I do in my job as well, because I don't feel bad about suddenly coming home a couple of hours later because I had a great idea or if I want to work at the weekend or it's just it's all part of life just feels really complete and sort of that every aspect fits in together. Um, and that is the biggest luxury. And I just feel that I've I've arrived. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. And I just can see, no one can see it, but your face and the big smile. And you deserve that, by the way. You deserve that. In this podcast, as you know, I ask at the end of the interview about your high and your low in life. And, and using the analogy that we're on a roller coaster, can you tell me about what you would say your lowest low was? I do think that that moment of the fire really is is very um much but but those weeks after that as well were pretty pretty dark but then the flip side to that is it, you could say oh the high was the prince george swing it isn't actually it's um so 12 months after the fire i uh, we had to move workshop again the workshop was in my old house, the team was saying to me, why why are you in such a rush to move the workshop? Can't we just have a few more weeks here because, um, because it's going to be really stressful to move, um, um, move this week and why do we have to move on Monday? And um, they were all kind of wanting to hold, hold us back there. And then I walked into the workshop and I was probably crying at the time because I'm quite emotional and I just walked in and said, look, guys, it's on Monday. It's not just you guys moving out of here. I'm moving out of this home as well. And to see that, and I, now I get goosebumps. It's that moment, you know, when Asterix is carried on the shield and everybody's underneath and just making it all happen. And that was my team at that point and we just had the most seamless move into new work everybody was motivated everybody just pulled together 
and that is is probably my um, my sort of happiest kind of memory that I, I a place I go to that feeling of having a team like that, and that's a little bit like how life feels every day now. But that was the, the sort of turning point for me. Yeah, the the moment. <laughs> Gosh, that's made me emotional. I understand that very much. People that really love you, it's your work family and they they had you, they had your back um, and they knew what they had to do and they yeah. loved you that much that they did it. Um, and it says a lot about you as a, as a leader and a, a colleague and a friend as well that they that they knew that they had to protect you and, and that's a beautiful point. Wow, I just... Um, I'm so happy to speak to you today. We have known each other for so long and I've never we've never had we are always talking about <laughs> ideas or the next the next the next and we're yeah. just never actually present and I've just enjoyed this so so much. Um Jeanette it's that time of the podcast though that I hand over to you to read a letter to your younger self and I'm so happy that I've caught you and that you can share it with us today. Dear younger self, take a breath and let me tell you about a word that will weave like golden thread through the fabric of your life. Serendipity. This is not a fairy tale or a guide for you to alter the choicest bits of your story. Far from it. The tapestry you're crafting with every breath you take is rich and as utterly unique as the fjords of Olesen. Change nothing, for each tread has been necessary. Each pattern has led you to the warmth and chaos of family life in England, to the birth of the Oak and Rope Company and to the unexpected joys in swings that bear the name of serendipity itself. As you wander down this winding road, know that what feels like the big decisions are not the signposts of your journey. Rather, it's the softest murmur of chance meetings, the quiet choice to be less rigid and the unwavering trust you place in the gentle tug of your instincts that will chart the course of your greatest adventures. Trust in serendipity, but also in yourself, in the subtle power of your gut feelings. Perhaps there are times when you will want to summon a little less Norwegian-farmed uptightness and a touch of more carefree spirit that you so admire in others. It's all right to ruffle a few feathers if it means you can flap your own wings with more freedom. Take more chances to carve down snowy slopes. Let the skis beneath your feet teach you the fine balance between control and letting go. The purity of joy in those moments will be a compass keeping you aligned with wonder and the will to seize life, like an unexpected powder day after a night of heavy snowfall. Let me assure you, younger me, the narrative gets richer with age. Wisdom will be your cherished companion, illuminating the importance of the little things. You will learn that success blooms coercively in the weave of those little moments, in personalised touches carved in oak, as in life. Always choose the scenic route. It may be longer, and its vistas will defy the ordinary and the mundane. Remember, no matter how far you roam, the echo of the fjords, the salt of the sea and the strength of the mountains, they are in you. They have shaped the contours of your spirit just as you carve your legacy into the grains of oak. You have a destination in mind, but do not rush. 
your journey is a tapestry of serendipities, and the value lies in the design you create, not merely the end point. Unforeseen joys await in the moment you least expect, so lean into them. Be present for this magic to be found. Above all, hold fast to this, things truly get better. You may not see it now, but every twist, every turn, they're all leading to a beautiful today. You'll find, as the years grace you, the best views are often found in the paths less travelled. With serendipity as your guide and experience as your map, know that you're exactly where you need to be. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't cry. (laughs) I mean... No wonder you're very good at creating such feeling in what you make. That was that was just poetry. It was just absolutely beautiful. And I just relate so many. I was thinking about your life and I was thinking about my own and I was thinking about um, the beauty and of how you've described it. And it was um, it was something else. Absolutely. And I can feel you know what's really making me teary is I can feel you're truly happy and that really, really matters and um, I'm just so happy and I can only imagine what's going to happen now because uh, you're in your place and you've understood that balance between letting go and being in control and um, I think the sun will shine on you. Thank you so much for those words. Pleasure, pleasure. It's been a joy. (laughs) (laughs) Not bad for a Norwegian, eh? (laughs) Hey, not bad, not bad. (laughs) Thank you for joining me today. If you've enjoyed this episode, can I ask that you share it with a friend and like, subscribe and review it too, so that together we can inspire even more people to follow their dreams, to build a life they love. (laughs) 